It's one of the most infamous crimes in German history. Today I'm talking about Gladbeck. This is Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. Hello, movie friends. Welcome to Scott's Self-Indulgent Movie Podcast. I am Scott, and today I'm talking about a documentary that's on Netflix, which is called Gladbeck, The Hostage Crisis, and it is about a crime in Germany, and it's one of those ones, It's a honestly, it's a crime that I'm surprised we don't know more about, just because of the sensational nature of it. But yeah, watching this was uh, interesting, also just because it's a very different approach to a kind of true crime documentary. So without further ado, let's get started. It's no secret that TV news is obsessed with breaking or developing stories. Anything high-profile like a court case, a police chase, or frankly anything with potential for violence gets front-of-the-line treatment from news outlets. If it bleeds, it leads, the old saying goes. Of course, that level of obsession can be detrimental, especially if said media decides to get more involved. In 1988, two German bank robbers became the most infamous men in the nation after they took hostages and began a 54-hour standoff with police and a swarm of media who refused to leave the situation be. I decided to highlight this documentary because I think it is a very different approach than a lot of American documentaries would take. A lot of American documentaries enjoy extensive use of the talking head segments. This is where experts on a particular topic, participants, and witnesses each share what happened or their take on the events in question. Gladbeck doesn't do that. While some might argue this is to maintain a stronger sense of objectivity, I think it has a greater purpose in this film, to highlight everything that was just wrong about this situation. The first thing you should know about the Gladbeck hostage crisis is that it was not limited to one location. Over the course of their 54-hour standoff with police, the hostage takers moved from location to location, taking over numerous vehicles, taking hostages, and making an assortment of demands. Why does that matter? Well, how do you think modern media would react? What's staggering in this situation is how ingratiated the media is in the hostage situation. The press interacts directly with the perpetrators, sometimes delivering demands, offering themselves up as hostages, or trying to negotiate for hostage release. Which is already dicey when a semi-trained police force is doing it, let alone when a sea of journalists are doing it. The police feel handcuffed about what action they can or can't take, because there are cameras everywhere, and certain situations get more dangerous than they would normally because there's a sea of cameras and people yelling questions. Of course, that doesn't let the police off the hook. The film offers numerous police communications that indicate a lack of planning, a lack of tangible action being taken, and a seemingly blasé approach to the whole thing. For instance, if you're being told by everyone near the situation that the people involved are unstable and you didn't check to see what would make them more on edge. Combined, it feels like a train wreck of a situation being made worse every moment by everyone in its orbit. It also feels, it also helps that the situation involves stuff you'd think you'd only see in movies, like a perpetrator calling into a news station and giving an interview while holding a gun to someone's head. The filmmakers trust that the story is fascinating, tragic, and infuriating enough on its own to avoid any commentary. And they're right. This has been Scott's Self Indulgent Movie Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, Scott's Self Indulgent Movie World, for the latest reviews, discussions, and more. See you next time, everybody, and stay safe.